Um, and we're going on to uh, verse 23. So Mark chapter 2, verse 23. And um, I'm reading from the New Living Translation tonight. Okay, so Mark chapter 2, verse 23. One Sabbath day, as Jesus was walking through some grain fields, his disciples began breaking off heads of grain to eat. But the Pharisees said to Jesus, Look, why are they breaking the law by harvesting grain on the Sabbath? Jesus said to them, Haven't you ever read in the scriptures what David did when he and his companions were hungry? He went into the house of God. During the days of Abiathar, uh, when Abiathar was priest, high priest, and broke the law by eating the sacred loaves of bread that only the priests are allowed to eat. He also gave some to his companions. Then Jesus said to them, The Sabbath was made to meet the needs of people, not people to meet the requirements of the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even over the Sabbath. I'm going to pray, and hopefully you guys can be praying for me as well. Um, before we come to this, before I attempt to um, bring the message for tonight, let's pray. Holy Spirit, we need your help. We thank you that you inspire the writings that we read, well, we just read just then through your servant Mark. And uh, Lord, we thank you so much for, for what we can read. We thank you that we can learn something new about Jesus tonight. And we pray, Holy Spirit, that you would teach us and guide us, challenge us if we need it, but Lord, encourage us to live out our lives in Jesus' name. Amen. The Sabbath. <laughs> the Sabbath. Oh, I know lots of people that um, have all kinds of opinions about the Sabbath, and we're not going to get into those sorts of discussions tonight. A um, good friend of mine actually is um, Seventh-day Adventist and a great guy, John, his name is. And, um, and, and Seventh-day Adventists, they, they celebrate uh, the Sabbath on Saturday. They worship the Lord on Saturday. And uh, other Protestant denominations worship the Lord on uh, Sunday. And, and uh, But um, you know what? Um, I was talking about the Seventh-day Adventists. They worship the Lord on Saturday. I, I have to agree with them. I worship the Lord on Saturday as well. And Friday and Thursday and Wednesday and Tuesday. And I worship the Lord on Monday. And uh, I worship the Lord on Sunday as well. And Jesus gets into this discussion with some religious leaders, and it happens to be the Sabbath. Now, in the Jewish uh, society, the Sabbath starts at sunset on a Friday night, and it, and it ends on sunset on Saturday night. So this was a Saturday, and Jesus was out and about with, with his disciples. And just like the last few weeks, what we're going to do is we're going to go verse by verse pretty much and, uh, and learn something, hopefully, about what Jesus is trying to uh, communicate and demonstrate and declare about himself in this place too. So let's have a look at verse 23. It says, one day, one Sabbath day, as Jesus was walking through some grain fields. Now, I just, I just had to stop there when I was reading this, uh, as I was looking uh preparing for this message, I just had to stop right there. One Sabbath day, 
Jesus was walking through some grain fields. The bread, the bread from heaven is walking through some grain fields. Am I the only one that notices that? Here, Mark is trying to tell us something about Jesus. You know, last week he was trying to tell us something about Jesus with being the groom and the new wineskins and the new wine. And the week before that, he was trying to teach us other things about Jesus. You know, we've been learning all these things about Jesus over these uh, last few weeks that he, um, that in, in, in Mark chapter 1, verse 35, it says that Jesus rose up early while it was still dark and went to a secluded place to pray. And, and I think Mark's trying to allude to the fact that, that he's talking about where this, how this ends, how the story of Jesus ends, that Jesus rises up early one morning after the Sabbath while it's still dark, that God knows the end of this story, that, that Jesus, when he, when he cleansed the leper, he's trying to tell us that he's the one who, who is the clean, who, who um, that infects the unclean with clean. He makes us right with God, that he, paral that he forgives the paralyzed, those who aren't able to walk on their own, in their own strength, that he forgives them, you know, that uh, he calls people like Matthew, uh, the tax collector that was outcast and the, and the, the nobody fishermen that uh, were kind of ratbags in lower level society. He calls the outcast to be chosen. And last week we looked at new wineskins and, and how Jesus I guess there's no need to fast anymore because the atonement, the day of atonement, where they used to fast every year, it's right there in, in the person of Jesus. He is the atonement. He is the one who makes us right with God. And we need to celebrate because he's right here, right now with us. And then, so today, I, I kind of get the feeling that, that Mark is trying to give us another angle at the person of Jesus and, and trying to teach us something new about Jesus. And I, I hopefully we get the feeling as we go through that um, there's something amazing here about Jesus. That uh, Jesus even finishes with the phrase, he is Lord of the Sabbath. But what does that mean? So we're going to go through that a little bit detail. So here he is, the bread from heaven in the grain field, the bread from heaven leading his future harvesters through the harvest. Now, this grain field that Jesus is walking through his disciples is just a place that they go through on the way to where they're heading. But let me tell you, there's no accidents with God. There's no accidents with God. There's no, there's no chance arrangements. Everything happens for a purpose. And you know what? The grain, it, it cannot be bred until it is crushed. And here's Jesus, I think, taking his disciples through a picture of a uh, of what might be happening in the future for him, but also for his disciples. We're told in um, three Gospels, actually, about this particular um, event, and uh, it's harvest time, basically. The, the grain that they're walking through is standing grain, and it's ready to be harvested. And so it turns out, too, that the disciples are quite hungry. And so in verse 23, as they're walking through the grain fields, his disciples began breaking off heads of grain to eat. Why? Because they're hungry. Matthew tells us that they're hungry. And um, it turns out that this, this actual act that the disciples are doing is uh, forbidden to the Pharisees. It's, it's a Sabbath regulation that you can't harvest. 
And um, the Pharisees said to Jesus, look, why are they breaking the law by harvesting grain on the Sabbath? In fact, really what they were doing was breaking, what that was meaning was breaking, uh, why are they breaking our law? <laughs> you see, they actually weren't breaking God's law. In Deuteronomy verse 20, uh, in chapter 23 and verse 25, I just want to read to you a couple of verses from Deuteronomy chapter 23 about what the disciples are doing to give us some context, right, in terms of the, the law. Uh, Deuteronomy 23 and from verse 24 to give us some context. When you enter your neighbor's vineyard, you may eat your fill of grapes. Okay, this is God speaking through Moses to the Israelites. When you enter your neighbor's vineyard, you may eat your fill of grapes, but you must not carry any away in a basket. And verse 25, when you enter your neighbor's field of grain, you may pluck the heads of grain with your hand, but you must not harvest it with a sickle. Now, the disciples weren't breaking God's law. They weren't breaking any divine commandment. In fact, they were walking with the creator of the universe, and he never really picked up on the idea that they were breaking any commandment. But they were breaking the rabbinic law. You see, the rabbis and the Pharisees especially, they would take the law of God and then they'd add another fence to it. And then they'd add another fence to it. And then just in case you broke some kind of other thing, just in case you could break the law by, let me, let's, let me give you some examples. They were breaking the rabbinic law, which under the term of work on the Sabbath had 39 subsections, and it was called the melachot. And under the melachot, there's a section called reaping. And here, is two, there, here are two um, stipulations of that. Um, there are others in that section, but there's just, these are just two. You couldn't even climb a tree on the Sabbath just in case you fell and broke off a branch. Now, breaking off a branch would be reaping off of the tree. It'd be pulling a part of the plant from its life source. So you couldn't climb a tree just in case you fell and broke a branch. Also, you couldn't ride an animal just in case you attempted to pull off a stick from a tree to use it as a whip for the animal. So can you see how they went to... They were fixated on overthinking through fear of breaking the law. The Pharisees had turned God's grace, rest, it was given by God, the Sabbath was given by God to people as grace, a day off from work. And they turned God's grace into something greater than people themselves. <coughs> and so Jesus in verse 25 said to them, haven't you ever read in the scriptures what David did when he and his companions were hungry? David went into the house of God during the days of Abiathar, uh, when Abiathar was high priest, and he broke the law by eating the sacred loaves of bread that only the priests were allowed to eat. He also gave some to his companions. Now, I was going to read, read that section for you. It's, it's in 1 Samuel chapter 21. And it's the first six verses of 1 Samuel chapter 21. And uh, it's David eating the bread of the presence or the show bread, it's called. So verse 1 of 1 Samuel 21, David went to the town of Nob to see Ahimelech the priest. 
Ahimelech trembled when he saw him. Why are you alone? He asked. Why is no one with you? The king was sent. Uh, the king, David said, has sent me on a private matter. He told me not to tell anyone why I'm here. I have told my men where to meet me later. Now, what is there to eat? Give me five loaves of bread or anything else you have. So, so David's turned up to the temple. He's hungry. He's on the run. And, he's, and he comes to the temple and he asks for anything, any bread. And so the priest says, we don't have any regular bread. But there is the holy bread, which you can have if your young men have not slept with any women recently. Don't worry, David replied. I never allow my men to be with women when we are on a campaign. And since they stay clean, and, and since they stay clean even on ordinary trips, how much more on this one? Since there was no other food available, the priest gave David the holy bread. The bread of the presence that was placed before the Lord in the tabernacle. It had just been replaced that day with fresh bread. Now, I can't draw you a diagram of the temple, but basically in the whole, just before the holy place, before where the presence of God rested in the ark, outside of that was a table covered in gold and ornaments of sorts and had rings on each corner of the table for it to be carried and on that table was to be left the bread of the presence and it was six uh, sorry six loaves of bread in one stack and six loaves in another stack so 12 altogether and it represented the 12 tribes of Israel and how they were close to the presence of God that's what it represented and every week on the sabbath that bread would be replaced with fresh loaves of bread. And the priests would then be able to have that bread for themselves to eat. And so David comes in and all that there is at the temple is this bread, the bread of the presence. The 12 loaves, of, as I said, represented the 12 tribes of Israel. And there's a parallel here. Jesus is walking with his disciples. Now, there's not 12 chosen disciples yet he hasn't chosen each one of them yet but we can see as jesus goes through his ministry that he chooses 12 disciples as an image as a i guess as a a parallel of the 12 tribes of israel and how and how jesus is bringing in a new covenant the uh, the the bread of the presence is actually in hebrew it translates bread of the faces. Now, what it means is, is it's the presence of God. It's the presence of God. The bread is there as a reminder that the presence of God is very, very close. And here's Jesus giving these Pharisees this word picture, saying the, the very presence of God is very, very close. I wonder if they picked up on that. I wonder if their, their Hebrew minds got the analogy. Now, the eating of the bread of the presence was only by the priests, and it was symbolic of partaking of the word of God in the very presence of God. And here's Jesus talking about David, King David, who took that bread and ate it, and he shared it with his friends. In Matthew's Gospel, 
uh, Matthew highlights a very Jewish way of, of argument against what the Pharisees have said. And Matthew uses this illustration of David, but he also talks about how on the Sabbath, priests would work on the Sabbath as well. And he also talks about Hosea 6, verse 6, where God's calling his people to not offer sacrifice, but to show love. And so in Matthew's gospel, he he leans on the, the witnesses of prophet, priest, and king. Jesus explains to them prophet, priest, and king. I wonder if they picked up that illustration maybe a bit later on when they realized that Jesus was the ultimate prophet, the ultimate priest, and the ultimate king. I don't know. But the priests ate the bread of the presence on each Sabbath day, and they replaced the loaves with freshly baked loaves. And it remained fresh for the whole week. Now, if God never punished King David for that, when he was in need, what's the big deal now? What's the big deal now? If it's really about eating food, what's the big deal? I wonder if the Pharisees were worried about something else. Verse 27, then Jesus said to them, the Sabbath was made to meet the needs of people and not people to meet the requirements of the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even over the Sabbath. Now, I'm not sure where you sit on the Sabbath and where you sit on resting on the Sabbath. I know a lot of my pastor friends, they they choose to uh, have a Sabbath day of rest, which isn't Sunday. Uh, and I know a lot of you guys, this is your Sabbath. You know, a Sunday is your day of rest where you you just cease from your work and you, and you focus your attention on the Lord. But um, I wonder, do you know, does anyone know when the first Sabbath occurred? Well, was it not when God rested from all his work on the seventh day of creation? Did I ever tell you the joke about one time I met uh, a, a friend of mine from Bible college and um, we had an argument about creation and he was doing an assignment on creation. And, and I said, you know what? Daniel, I don't believe in six days of creation at all. I don't believe it's literal six days of creation at all. And we had this argument for a few minutes until I said, well, it's actually seven days, isn't it? And um, God rested on the seventh day as part of his creation. He rested on the seventh day from all his work. He ceased. The Hebrew word is there. He rested. He ceased. He stopped working. Down tools. That's enough. It's very good, said God. There's no more to do. This is great. And that's when God rested. And it wasn't until a long time after that that God actually told people to take a rest on the seventh day. But God made man and woman first. He made Adam and Eve. He made the whole creation. And then God rested. Then God rested, and then came sin, and God worked. Do you notice in your Bible where uh, God works after he rests? He starts making skins for Adam and Eve to cover their nakedness because sin came, and they realized their nakedness. 
And so God, God made garments for them from skins. He killed an animal, a sacrifice to cover them. And Jesus says in John chapter 5 that God is at work always since creation. God is at work always since creation. God has been working, says Jesus. Jesus claims to be the son of God in in John chapter 5 and verse 16. So the Jewish leaders began harassing again Jesus or persecuting Jesus for breaking the Sabbath rules. Verse 17, but Jesus replied, my father is always working and so am I. My father is always working. That means always. That means Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. My father is always working and so am I. So the Jewish leaders tried all the harder to find a way to kill him for he not only broke the Sabbath, but he called God his father and thereby making himself equal with God. Jesus wasn't very popular. Well, he was kind of in a negative way with all the Pharisees. But Jesus is saying he's God. Jesus is God. And we believe Jesus is God. Let's look at Jesus' words on the cross as he was about to die for sin. The death of Jesus in John chapter 19, verse 28. Jesus knew that his mission was now finished. And to fulfill scripture, he said, I'm thirsty. A jar of sour wine was sitting there, so they soaked a sponge in it, put it on a hyssop branch, and held it up to his lips. Verse 30, when Jesus had tasted it, he said, it is finished. Then he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. He gave up his spirit, breathed his last It is finished. Down tools. My work here is done. The new creation is finished and began something new. And then God rests from his work on the cross by breathing out his last. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says that anybody who is in Christ is now a what? A new person, a new creation. Ephesians 2.10 says that, We have been created anew in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God has planned beforehand for us to do. We've been created anew. That word created in Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10 means made from nothing, something made from nothing. This is a new creation. This is a new and living way. Jesus breathed his last on the cross and God rested from his new creation. Can you see the parallel there? God finished all the work needed to be done to pay for your sin and for my sin. The work is done. The new creation is finished. It's time to rest in the presence of God through and only through relationship with Jesus. And here are the disciples in relationship with Jesus walking through a field of grain, the bread from heaven, the one who gave his life and the night before broke bread and said, this is my body. Take and eat this in remembrance of me. How did God create in Genesis? 
I know I can't hear your words, but I'm guessing people are saying he spoke. He said, let there be, and there was. He used his word. How did God speak? How did God create through his new creation? Through his word. Through the word that had become flesh, Jesus Christ. And he redeemed that which was lost, that which was sinful, that, that which was paralyzed, that which was unclean, that, that which was outcast. And he redeemed that by saying it is finished and he rested from his work. What a picture. The bread of heaven walking through the fields ripe for harvest. All the all the Pharisees could think about was work, work, work. How can we keep this? How can we do that? How can we make people do this and do that and not do this? And it was fear and work based. And Jesus says, man wasn't made for the Sabbath. You're getting it all wrong. You see, God doesn't want a relationship with the Sabbath. He wants a relationship with man. And he always has wanted a relationship with man. And sometimes religious stuff can get in the way of that. And sometimes, yeah, even churches, we can be guilty of putting religious things in the way of people and they trip over and they miss out on that wonderful relationship that God wants them to have with him because of some kind of religious ritual that we've, in, we've put there, we've forced into Christianity. They walked through the fields and there was, they were ripe for harvest. It's harvest time. Jesus is God and he has come to call the unworthy. He has come, he has overcome temptation for us. He has declared and demonstrated authority over demons in the synagogue. We, we looked at that in, in chapter one, over sickness, over even the most minute sickness, like a fever for, for Peter's mother-in-law, over evil spirits. Jesus rises up early while it's still dark. God knows the end of this story. God, God speaks of resurrection here. And he touches our infirmities like the leper. The unclean becomes clean. The paralyzed become forgiven. The outcasts become chosen. And the doctor calls the sick and heals those who know they are sick eternally. He's the groom with us. He is, he is the groom the bridegroom with us. Fasting is not needed every year, unless you're feeling sorry, but he is with us. So we should celebrate right here, right now. He is the Lord of the Sabbath, Jesus says. I'm the Lord of the Sabbath. With his dying breath, Jesus has created rest for all who would repent and believe. There is rest. There is a Sabbath rest for all who would repent and believe. You and I don't need to keep the Sabbath. Oh, we don't need to keep the Sabbath. We need to have a relationship of love with our Heavenly Father. If you die tonight, will you rest in peace? You see, there's a rest. There is a rest. Will you rest in the rest that Jesus <coughs> created when he said it is finished? God has a place of rest in his presence. Are you under arrest? Are you under his rest? There's a place of rest in his presence in heaven, but there's also a place of rest in his presence here on earth. 
and it is all ready for you to experience. How, you say, how can I experience his perfect rest here on earth? Well, the very same way that you can experience his perfect rest in heaven, believing. It's just believing. We're going to share communion pretty soon. But I wonder if you can uh, be patient enough to let me read to you from Hebrews chapter 4. You see, you might think, oh, look, Ian, it's, uh, it's just you reading the Bible. It's not really your sermon. This is the Holy Spirit. This is way better than Ian McGill. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 1. God's promise of entering his rest still stands. So we ought to tremble with fear that some of you might fail to experience it. For this good news that God has prepared this rest has been announced to us just as it was to them, the Israelites in the Old Testament. But it did them no good because they didn't share the faith. They didn't believe. They didn't share the faith of those who listened to God. They didn't combine what they heard with faith. For only we who believe can enter his rest. As for the others, God said, in my anger, I took an oath. They will never enter my place of rest. Even though this rest has been ready since he made the world. We know it is ready because of the place in the scriptures where it mentions the seventh day. On the seventh day, God rested from all his work. But in another passage, God said, they will never enter my place of rest. God says, come to my place. It's, it's his place of rest. God has a place of rest. And he's saying to us, saying to everyone, come to my place. Come to my place. Lockdown won't stop you. Isolation can't stop you. Any laws of your country can't stop you coming to my place. Come to my place. Sorry, that's not written there, but now it is. So God's rest is there for people to enter. But those who first heard this good news failed to enter because they disobeyed God. So God set another time for entering his rest. And that time is today. God announced this through David much later in the words already quoted in Psalm 95. Today, when you hear my voice, uh, when you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts. Now, if Joshua had succeeded in giving them, the Israelites, this rest, then God would not have spoken about another day of rest still to come. So there is a special rest, a Sabbath rest, still waiting for the people of God. For all who have entered into God's rest have rested from their labours, just as God did after creating the world. You know, it's wonderful to know that we don't have to keep any requirements of the law. We don't have to. We want to with a lot of them because we have his Holy Spirit in us. We want to not murder people. You know, we want to keep the Sabbath. We want to love others as we love ourselves. We want to love the Lord our God with all our heart, with all our soul. We want to do that. But we don't need to do that to have that place of rest with God in his place of rest. Jesus said, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. It's a beautiful, divine, holy transaction 
There's nothing we can achieve on our own. We just walk with Jesus. What a picture in Mark chapter 2 of the disciples, the followers of Jesus, just walking with him. He is the Lord of rest. He is the Lord of the Sabbath. He's the Lord of rest. I'm looking forward to next week as we look again at something that Jesus does on this day of rest on the Sabbath. But until that day, we're going to stop right now. We're going to pray. And we're going to share communion and remind ourselves of the wonderful rest that we have with God, that peace we have with God because of what Jesus accomplished on the cross. So let's pray and make sure you have your bread and juice ready. We're going to share together in our lounge room. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the bread that came down from heaven. Jesus, our Lord and our Saviour, the one that we worship and the one who, who laid down his life to save us, to redeem us and to bring us into that wonderful place of rest, your place of rest. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for working for us. Thank you so much for, for bringing in that new creation. There's nothing we can do except believe. So, Lord, we believe. We receive what you've done for us in our place on the cross. And we say thank you. Thank you for the bread that we're going to share that reminds us of your body. Thank you for the, the juice that we're going to share that it reminds, reminds us of your blood, your life that you laid down for us. It also reminds us of the life that we have in you. We pray this in your name, Lord. Amen. So, I'm going to take one. No. I hope you're ready. You've got your bread and your juice. And the bread, uh, body of our Lord Jesus Christ, which was given for you. Preserve your body and soul unto everlasting life. Eat this and be thankful. Feeding on him in your heart with faith and be thankful. The blood of our Lord Jesus Christ, which was shed for you and for many, for the forgiveness of sins. Drink this, knowing that your sins are forgiven. And be thankful. It's so good to be able to um, to share communion together. Uh, I know we're not literally together, but it's so wonderful just to imagine that we are doing the same thing in different places. We're just going to worship the Lord, but uh, before we do, I just want to open in some prayer. Father, we just thank you so much for uh, what you're speaking to us about. We thank you for your Holy Spirit moving in our midst. 
We thank you that you are the one who loves us so much more than any father or mother could love us. And that you, Lord, are our provider, you're our sustainer, you're, you're our protector, and you're our father. Lord, we praise you and thank you that uh, you have made a way for us to be your children adopted into your family through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen.